Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Quick reminder to college basketball fans at accsports.com. We post our power rankings and analysis and interviews with luminaries, including UNC Hall of Fame coach Roy Williams, who just joined us on our show a little bit earlier this week. Ron Rivera of the Carolina Panthers and now Washington Redskins in the books today as our Super Bowl guest of the day. Charles Davis and Darren Gant with more football next hour. College Hoops fans, you can also find our work at theathletic.com and The Athletic Carolina. We highlighted the best coaches, the best players in the ACC a few weeks ago beyond the ACC here in North Carolina just yesterday. Again, that is my work at The Athletic Carolina. Check it out if you get a chance. Jaden Gardner of ECU, Coach Wes Miller and his UNC Greensboro Spartans, a freshman named Jameer Young from the Charlotte 49ers. Those are among the highlights that you will find with much more detail if you visit The Athletic Carolina and on the other matters, accsports.com. 1-800-849-2761. We are inviting your thoughts on Super Bowl 54. Ron Rivera said the first thing he thought of was Andy Reid's pursuit of a Super Bowl ring when he saw that it was going to be Chiefs 49ers. The second thing he thought of was the style of the game. The 49ers do the grind, ground and pound better the Chiefs throw it all over the yard better. The style of game, Ron Rivera says, through his NFL head coaching lenses, the style of game is going to go a long way toward determining the winner of the game. You can jump in with your version of the Ron Rivera breakdown now by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Elsewhere in the NFL, Commissioner Roger Goodell held his annual Super Bowl week news conference yesterday, and one of the questions he answered in significant detail was about the Rooney rule. Now, this is heavy territory, too much material for some as you look forward to the final game of the NFL season, of course. But y'all probably know that only one of the 13 head coaching vacancies that happened this year or last year combined, only one of those 13 was filled by an African-American candidate. Brian Flores took over the Dolphins prior to this last season. All of the others... Although Ron Rivera is considered technically a minority, all of the others went to white dudes. Goodell said in part, quote, it is clear we need to change and do something different because there are only three black head coaches, only two black GMs, and that's, remember, over 32 NFL franchises. So that's 64 positions in two of the most powerful uh, job titles in any organization, three black head coaches, two black GMs out of 64. That is not progress even under the Rooney rule compared to the numbers that were in place when the Rooney rule started. Roger Goodell also chimed in on several other topics, including he was asked about his own retirement. That one was easy to answer. He's only 61 years old. Folks, we're living in a world where lots of people coach or manage or commissioner if you will, all the way into their 70s. At 61 years old, I was kind of surprised he got that question. He said it's not even on his radar. There's a lot of work to be done. They're into the collective bargaining agreement negotiations to extend beyond the current one, and everybody fears lockout, work stoppage, all that stuff. We're not at that threshold yet, but it's nowhere near the right time to step away for the commissioner. He was asked about the latest Patriots scandal, 
uh, caught illegally videotaping Bengals sidelines during games. He mostly dodged that question because it's still in progress, that investigation. And then he was asked about expanding the regular season from 16 to 17 games. That is part of the owner's proposal in those discussions for a new collective bargaining agreement with the players. His main point there was that there are not going to be more games overall. I don't think players buy the argument that we'll just remove a preseason game if you'll give us another regular season game, which produces, of course, a lot more revenue. Why won't the players go for that if it's the same number of games overall? Well, star players usually miss preseason games, and star players, if they're healthy, are asked to play every regular season game. And they know that that is not a fair trade. If there's going to be negotiations, that's on the table. But Roger Goodell chimed in on that one as well. If you want to chime in on any of those questions or topics, you can dial us up at 1-800-849-2761. Quickly, one thing I promised on college basketball. Wake lost at Notre Dame last night, no surprise. Louisville beat Boston College in Chestnut Hill last night, no surprise, although, again, it took a while. Those games or teams were important to some in our neighborhood, some others, I should say, because Louisville is next up for NC State and because Boston College is next up for North Carolina. When you look around the ACC, there are three teams that have already built not only NCAA tournament resumes, but if they keep playing well, they're fighting for one seeds, two seeds, etc. That's, of course, Duke and Louisville and Florida State. On the next level, and I know this sounds strange because the Tar Heels went to Raleigh this week, and continued Roy Williams' utter domination of the Wolfpack with that win at PNC Arena. Do you know who else is in right now, according to most bracketologists? Again, the last thing that you saw might be misleading in this regard, but the Wolfpack and the Virginia Cavaliers are the most frequently mentioned as the next teams in. Now, UVA, remember, just beat Florida State, so that's one of their best wins of the season. That was the number five-ranked team in the country. NC State has wins that matter, including against a Wisconsin team that's been in and around the national top 25, even against a really good UNC Greensboro team. Remember, that was at UNCG. So you need quad one wins. The Wolfpack has a couple of quad one wins. Wolfpack and Cavaliers, to me, are best positioned to be the next teams in from the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's not going to be a banner year, obviously, but it's not going to be a three-bid league either, I don't think. Who else is in the conversation beyond, of course, what would be close to the miracle needed for Roy Williams and the Tar Heels to continue to dig out of the enormous hole that they built even after Cole Anthony returns to the lineup? The next two teams that come to mind after the Wolfpack and the Cavaliers are actually Virginia Tech and Syracuse. And you know what they both have this weekend? The opportunity, like what UVA just had up at John Paul Jones Arena. UVA looked at its remaining regular season schedule and circled, metaphorically, Florida State's number five in the nation. We can beat up on middle-of-the-pack ACC teams all year long. Most of them aren't going to the NCAA tournament. We can beat the bottom feeders all year long. That's not going to be enough on Selection Sunday. So all these teams are looking at their remaining regular season schedule and, of course, you always hope to spring a surprise when it comes to the ACC tournament this year in Greensboro. The Cavaliers capitalized on their shot at number 5 Florida State, and now that big win is in their back pocket should they continue to linger near the NCAA tournament bubble over this next month plus. 
Syracuse and Virginia Tech, the next couple of teams in this league, have their swings at the proverbial pinata this Saturday. Duke is one of those opponents for the Orange. How many more shots do you get the rest of the way? The Orange later have games against FSU and Louisville, but they're both on the road. Can you win? Maybe. Would they be power points that you need? Yes. But if you're Jim Beheim and you see at Florida State, what are the Seminoles in their last 62 games at home? 59-3. and three. Louisville, harder to beat, of course, on their home court as well. So you have multiple chances between now and the ACC tournament. But what would you say? It's not a slap at Duke. What would you say is the best chance for your, your signature victory if you're Jim Beheim, the Hall of Famer at Syracuse? You think your best chance is at Florida State? You think your best chance is at Louisville? I would argue otherwise. And it's not disrespectful to Duke to say this. Syracuse will be in the Carrier Dome on Saturday night at 8 o'clock when ESPN is the national TV venue for number nine Duke's visit to the Orange. Now, those fans wait for Duke's visit like most fan bases do. You don't get them every year at every school the way, say, a Carolina would see the Blue Devils every year once at the Smith Center. So these fans sometimes have to wait multiple years. In this case, haven't had that long a wait for the Blue Devils' trip to the, to the Orange. But Syracuse makes the NCAA tournament almost all the time under Jim Beheim. In the last 11 years, there was one year, remember, that they were dealing with NCAA sanctions. So no matter what they did, they weren't going to get a bid regardless of their record. Of the, ten, the last 10 years where they were eligible to be in the NCAA tournament, they've been there nine times. I mean, that's, you know, Roy Williams, nine of the last 10, is it, right? He missed in 2010. He hasn't missed since then. And he's got his hands full right now, obviously. Jim Beheim, nine of the last 10 times he was eligible. He has a dangerous team if you haven't seen him play. Joe Girard's a freshman point guard. Can flat out shoot the basketball. Buddy Beheim is the coach's son on the wing. Can flat out shoot the basketball. Elijah Hughes is the ECU transfer. A first team All-ACC candidate, meaning one of the five best players in this league. He is that good on most nights. Merrick Dolajai has been around for a while as a pretty reliable two-way player. And then they usually just use the big guy, Sidibe, to kind of be in the back of the zone and really not look for his shot offensively. The chemistry works. They play together so many minutes. There's like one guy at Duke, I think, averaging more than 25 minutes a game. It's Trey Jones, who's out there a lot as point guard, obviously. The, the Orange does it the exact opposite way. Like, four of Jim Beheim's five starters are out there almost all the time together. Like, they're all averaging 35 or so minutes a game. Beheim thinks he can do it in part because the zone takes a little less effort than simply going up and down the court. Or even some people talk about UVA as a slow-tempo team. The energy that it takes to run around in UVA's offense and the energy it takes to run around in UVA's defense, extending those possessions at both ends, will exhaust you. You think slow tempo, and, and maybe that's not as exhausting. It's the opposite at UVA. Syracuse's zone, and unless they see a fast-break opportunity, Syracuse's tempo running that half-court offense 
allows for Jim Beheim to have a shorter bench. And in some years, man, it feels like he barely year uses his sixth or seventh guy. This is one of those years. A couple guys off the bench, but not for major minutes unless there's foul trouble or something unusual. That five-man starting lineup at Syracuse is good enough to beat Duke on Saturday night. And as we move forward again, the Tar Heels, while playing better lately, they've got a long, long, long way to go to be relevant for NCAA tournament purposes. The Wolfpack, despite its recent disappointment, losses to Georgia Tech and Carolina, is right in the mix. You can be fooled by the last thing you saw. The Pack and the Cavaliers are right in the mix. The Orange and the Hokies need the booster shot, if you will, that UVA just got by beating Florida State. Both the Orange and the Hokies get those chances on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. Florida State is visiting Blacksburg. Mike Young, surprise team of the ACC, but they've been kind of fading lately. Can the Hokies rejuvenate their season? Syracuse, good friend to good friend, Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, Jim Beheim hosting Mike Krzyzewski. It is as big a game as Syracuse will play in the remainder of the regular season. Will they be like UVA? and get that signature victory? Or will they be like Virginia Tech and some others where they have lost at exactly the wrong time with the ultimate PowerPoint staring them right in the face? 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Back to football on the other side. Your questions and comments about the Chiefs 49ers matchup. More on Roger Goodell's meeting with the media yesterday. And as we look forward to Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox third hour, Darren Gant of NBC Sports, more football in hour number three. We'll also give away some Carolina Hurricanes hockey tickets if you are available tomorrow night to see the Vegas Golden Knights against your Canes as they return from their long all-star break. You have to be ready to deal with an easy trivia question, but we'll give away two lower-level Hurricanes tickets on the other side as we ramp up our talk of college basketball, the NFL, the NBA, and yes, it is a great time to be a tennis fan, a little bit off the beaten path during Super Bowl week, but whether you are a fan of American tennis and you have a 21-year-old American woman, Sophia Kennan, who is the first American woman to beat a number one at a major since Serena Williams beat Venus Williams at Wimbledon almost two decades ago. This young woman is making history. She had never been to even the Sweet 16 of a major, and now she is in the women's singles final after beating number one seed Ash Barty of Australia right there in front of the Aussie fans at the Australian Open. Meanwhile, Novak Djokovic, in some people's eyes, will end up as the greatest of all time. He's behind Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal in all-time Grand Slam singles titles. He is seeking number 17, as Nadal and Federer have already been eliminated at this year's Australian Open. Just remember, Joker, as they call him, is the youngest of the three. Roger Federer is 38 years old. Rafael Nadal is only a year or so, I think, older than Novak Djokovic. But many tennis people believe we're watching both the greatest women's player of all time, Serena Williams. She actually had a bad Australian Open, but she's still the GOAT. We're also watching, in this generation, the three greatest men's players of all time. Roger Federer has 20 Grand Slam singles titles, but he's 38. Rafael Nadal has 19 he was actually just eliminated in the semifinals. Joker is seeking number 17, but as the youngest, has a good chance to end up on the top 
of that heap. He is 29 and 26 all time head to head against Rafael Nadal. He has a good record against Federer as well. More support for those who believe that it's Joker rather than the other two who's going to end up wearing the GOAT title on the men's side. David, Jeremy, John, and others want in from all across North Carolina. We're talking Super Bowl 54, a little Australian Open. The NBA headlines include that we are one week from that league's trade deadline. Could Chris Paul get traded to a contender that needs a point guard given the strong season he's having for the Oklahoma City Thunder? And according to Adrian Wojnarski and Bobby Marks of ESPN, there is bad news for NBA revenues, and in an unusual occurrence, the salary cap is actually going to drop next year. It usually inches up because NBA revenues keep growing, but in large part because of that China controversy earlier this season and the lost revenue, China just pulled the plug entirely. They were mad at our country. They were mad at the NBA, and they just said, you know what, we're not going to carry NBA games anymore on our official Chinese television stations. Well, that took millions of dollars out of the NBA's pockets, and that is translating into a drop in the salary cap that means the Hornets and everybody else will have to adjust their postseason plans accordingly. More on the NBA, including Vanessa Bryant's first public statement since her husband Kobe Bryant and her daughter Gigi died in that horrible helicopter crash over the weekend. With your calls, 1-800-849-2761. That's how you can join us on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four <laughs> ties, not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Talking Super Bowl 54. More on that with Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox. You hear his voice as well on the Madden video game franchise. CD, one of our favorites on all things football. He was actually at the Senior Bowl this past weekend looking at the college All-Stars on their way to the NFL. We'll talk 49ers Chiefs, of course, with him. Through his eyes, Darren Gant of NBC Sports joins us later in our third hour. That leaves more of this hour for you and me and your phone calls. NFL, college basketball, NBA, Australian Open, Carolina Hurricanes returning to the ice. More of what I promised earlier after we give away free tickets to the Carolina Hurricanes. This usually required a not a, usually requires a not brutally difficult trivia question, and I will keep to that theme today, as I believe it is David out in Kernersville, North Carolina. That's in the triad, man. It's, that's a longer haul to PNC Arena than many of our winners here at the David Glenn Show. I will try to make the trivia question not too painful. As I remind everybody, I am getting closer and closer to picking the grand prize winner in the Canes with DG contest. What does this mean? Well, on Twitter... If you post any photo related to the Carolina Hurricanes, it can be you and your buddies or your spouse or your kid maybe wearing Canes gear or at a game or with your kid opening his or her Christmas present and it's a Canes hat or jersey or whatever. Maybe you play hockey. Maybe you do a selfie with Stormy at some point on a trip to PNC Arena. As long as it's a Canes-themed photo 
And as long as you use our hashtag, otherwise we can't find it, Canes with DG. I'm DG. You get lower level tickets to an upcoming game. Those are kind of secondary prizes. We give them away every week virtually during the regular season. And then the grand prize, once a year and once a year only, you get my personal seats on the glass. Like you can't get any closer to the action. They are four fantastic seats. We even go out to dinner beforehand. If you don't like me, I just stay out of the way entirely. If you do like me, I'll sit with you or take you out to dinner. I always spring, by the way. But you can only win the grand prize by entering on Twitter at Canes, or excuse me, hashtag Canes with DG. Canes-themed photo. Use the hashtag. Leave it up there so we can find it when we pick that grand prize winner, which will be soon. David in Kernersville, for the record, is just looking for tickets tomorrow night. I encourage him to also enter Canes with DG. But the Vegas Golden Knights will be the opponents. The Canes have not played in almost 10 days now. The NHL All-Star break is over. Other teams are already back in action. Two lower-level tickets are at stake as David joins us from Kernersville. How, long, how many times a year do you make that trek to PNC Arena, David? That's a diehard Canes fan. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been to probably about four games so far this year, and uh, it's been a long 10 days without the Canes hockey, that's for sure. That's what I like to hear. That is the sound of a true Caniac, and that's dedication. So what would your round trip be? When you go to a Canes game, let's say it's a 7 o'clock start. What time you leave in Kernersville, and what time are you getting home at night? Well, I got to go uh, to Backyard Bistro first and uh, try to you. not spend $13 on a beer. So I do that. So I'll usually get there about an hour and a half before. All right. So you're leaving Kernersville at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Oh, yeah. I'll be there. Wow. That's impressive. And he just dropped in a DG Show partner, Backyard Bistro. I mean, he ought to get the tickets just for that. Clearly a marketing now. <laughs> right? Clearly a marketing major, David in Kernersville. All right. Uh, you may know this year's participant from the Carolina Hurricanes in that All-Star game that you just referenced. I'm going to go back the last decade. There are a bunch of Canes who participated in the NHL All-Star game in these last 10 years, 2011 all the way through 2020, you only have to name three of them. And I assume you may know who participated this year. That can be one of them. Yes, yeah, uh, Jacob Slavin, That's Sebastian correct. Ajo, and um, Eric Stahl. And that is correct. Other correct answers. Darren Vaught, you want to take any stabs at this? Jacob Slavin was in four. I know Darren and David both know this. Only right. David Dougie gets Hamilton. free tickets. Dougie Hamilton was injured I know, and could not uh, play. The year prior to Sebastian Ajo, uh, Justin Falk represented the team in the It was two, game. but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Justin Falk has represented the Canes now with the St. Louis Blues, of course. Uh, he went to three straight All-Star games okay. representing the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, Noah Hannafin actually represented the Canes at the All-Star game. Oh, that would have in, been the in-between In between, in between okay, correct. Yeah. Um, and if you go all the way back the decade, and credit to David for pulling Eric Stahl out of that hat, Jeff Skinner and Cam Ward joined Eric Stahl. That shows you how long ago that was, man. 2011, it was Jeff Skinner and Eric Stahl and Cam Ward. What do we got? Cam is retired. Eric Stahl was at this year's All-Star Game, but as a member of the Minnesota Wild, and Jeff Skinner has long ago been shipped to Buffalo. So great work, David. Uh, I wish I could meet you as a listener. I will not be there tomorrow night, but uh, I hope you have fun. Stay on hold, and thanks for being a Caniac long-distance style, man. I really admire that. Yeah, thanks, DG. Hey, I also wanted to say I, I was a part of a 
public uh, marriage proposal once at WrestleMania 34. Oh, dude, you got to share it, that now, I, especially it, it, the game, in New like, Orleans. Go ahead. Was awesome. It was right before uh, Ronda Rousey's first match against Stephanie McMahon, and this guy just got up, basically spilled the beer all over himself. He was so nervous. <laughs> asked his, asked his uh, wife now, I guess, to marry him, and it went good. And Daniel Bryan, yes, can't broke out, so it was awesome. Now, you were there, or you saw this, like, on TV or whatever? Oh, no, I was there. Oh, yeah, wow, man. Wow. Were you close enough to see it or looking up at the Jumbotron? Oh, I, I was close enough to see it. It was, it was awesome. Wow. I remember my – the only two times I remember my hand shaking, and fortunately I was not holding a beer at the time because you know how I feel about that, Darren. I mean, that's like one of the seven cardinal sins, spilling and wasting good beer. Can't have that. The two times I remember seeing my hand shake – one was getting the ring, the engagement ring, ready to place on the finger of my now wife, the lovely and talented Maria. And the other time, have you ever gone to the mailbox and seen an envelope whose contents dictated your future to any degree, Darren? I don't know. Like it could be a, a college yeah. acceptance letter or I don't know what would apply now. You guys don't go to the mailbox anymore, no. do you? <laughs> Do you ever get mail anymore? I mean, yeah. what, do you have do you have a nervous opening of an email? Is that what it is nowadays? Sure, because you only see a subject line right, initially. Right. So that's probably an equivalent. But, you know, when I was yeah, like applying to, to go to college the first time for undergraduate, it still was part of the process to get something in the mail. You've received email notification, but uh, in some cases you didn't find out until you saw the packet come in your actual mailbox is it a bad sign that the last two times i remember being deeply nervous were 1994 and 1997 <laughs> have i just are my are my nerves just completely been so lately? shot that i don't feel such things anymore I, I don't know is that does this happen to others as they get older i'm not really an anxious person to begin with i guess i get butterflies from time to time if you know you're speaking in front of a large crowd or whatever but 1994 i go to the mailbox the mailbox darren it's where you walk out of your house and it's often rectangular. Sometimes there's a little red flag you put up. That's for outgoing mail. Right. Uh, other times there's incoming mail. Some, you know, we call them bills. You wear this <laughs> this uh, vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. Um, All mine are set up to auto draft. Yeah. So I don't. Even of course. <laughs> so uh, I had taken the bar exam. This is a painful experience. This is after you've invested three years of your life and three years of your money in a legal degree now fortunately i passed so you have your diploma that's a big deal family came down from pa walked through the ceremony felt even like more of an accomplishment than say the day you wore the tassel for your undergrad you're a grad school guy yourself what do you have a one-year uh, program at elon Two? yeah yep. one uh, that's like a popsicle stand compared to law school <laughs> one year oh admittedly yes all right yeah so three years of your life, three years of your cash, setting back, of course, any future you might have as a media mogul, it's all on postponed, man. So 1994, you walk to the mailbox, you see, do you even, do you, do you know what an envelope looks like there? Like in the upper, le in the upper left, it's, like an, how to address it's, an, it's an indicator of from whom the letter is. You, you've wear this terminology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So it says North Carolina State Bar. So I had taken the bar exam. That is either 
earth-shattering, life-breaking bad news, or all the opportunities that you have awaiting you in the legal field, whatever they might be, are now allowed to take off. You can't practice without a license, and your license requires the law degree and also passing the bar exam. The bar exam is not fun. You are in a huge room at a long table with other nervous people, and you get blank. You know what? Do you guys use blue books? You know what blue book yeah, is? Yeah, we did at Emory and Henry. Yeah, for okay. sure. So rather than, man, if I'm not sure what the answer is, at least I can guess A, B, C, or D. No, the, no. You got to associate those like a full-on essay. Oh, I mean, yeah. you either know it or you don't know it. And opening a completely blank blue book as you read complex legal questions is not a fun moment. So you don't know when the envelope arrives. You might think you did well. You might be worried that you didn't do well. What if you had somebody grading your blue book who was in a bad mood that day? You just don't know. Open the envelope, pass the bar on my first attempt, and the rest is history. Practiced for 17 years, building a sports media career. We all lived happily ever after. The only other time I remember my hands physically shaking, as was the case in that sporting event marriage proposal, apparently, what did he say, at WrestleMania? Yeah, and WrestleMania in New Orleans. And he had a front row seat for that. There's something <laughs> appropriate. WrestleMania, New Orleans, beer-spilling engagement. I wonder if they're still together. I don't know. So uh, I am at the Front Street Inn, bed and breakfast in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I knew that I was asking the lovely and talented Maria to marry me. 1997, I believe. We got married in 98. You know, quick turnaround, that kind of thing. We were, we were older, so we were on a fast track. Anthony was born, like, you know, nine months later, I think. That's nine months after the wedding ceremony there and not the engagement. So you go out onto the balcony at the Front Street Inn. And you know me. Would I have planned ahead? Am I just going to wing it? Am I going to think about every detail? All right, got to get the ring. Got to ask her friends what kind of ring she wants. Got to try not to crush the budget too badly, but also give her something that she's excited right. about. Front Street Inn, one of our favorite cities, Wilmington, North Carolina, where we ended up getting married later. I had thought of every eventuality, right? What's the downtime on our schedule where we're not meeting some friends for this or that? We'll be alone. This is the right time to, to bring out the ring and get the deal done, right? Had thought of everything, the timing, the place, the ring, the everything. And we go out on the balcony, and the balcony floor is what? The balcony floor is two-by-fours separated by gaps that are clearly wide enough that if my shaking hands were to drop, the most expensive piece of anything I had ever held in my hand. There's no doubt about it. Whatever that ring was worth in 1997, the value of that ring was probably four times the value of the car that I was driving. Seriously. So I'm holding the most valuable anything that I've ever held while my hands are shaking for the only time I can think of in the last 25 years. And we get out on the balcony for the big presentation, and the only thing I can think about is not what words I would choose to ask for the lovely and talented Maria's hand in marriage. The only thing I can think about, rather than what I should be thinking about, is this ring is small enough to fall through those cracks in those two-by-fours. That, along with shaking hands, Darren, bad combination. 
Very bad combination. That story also ended well. Not only did I not drop the ring, she said yes as they throw up on the Jumbotron. And once again, they all lived mostly happily ever after. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. College basketball, Super Bowl 54, NBA. Australian Open on our mind. Your questions and comments are welcome in between guests. It'll be Duke at Syracuse, Boston College at UNC, Louisville at NC State, and Florida State at Virginia Tech among the important games on Saturday for ACC and NCAA hoops purposes. Of course, the big game awaits us on Sunday night. Super Bowl 54 is only three days away. The Chiefs a one-to-one-and-a-half-point favorite over the 49ers. We're taking your questions and comments on those two topics. I promised you one thing on the NBA. As we look forward to Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox, more Chiefs 49ers, and what is life like in South Florida right now coverage from a guy whose voice you also hear on the Madden video game franchise. Darren Gant of NBC Sports and ProFootballTalk.com will join us third hour later Ron Rivera formerly of your Panthers now the head coach of the Washington Redskins dropped by a little bit earlier check out our podcasts at David Glenn show on Twitter if you missed coach Rivera's visit live 1-800-849-2761 Adrian Wojnarski and Bobby Marks of ESPN posted an article overnight that suggested in a rare a real rarity the salary cap in the NBA was going to drop this coming season in large part because of the China controversy of months ago. They have revised their article, probably after feedback from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver or some other high-ranking official in that league, and they have said that despite the loss of revenue, that part is real. Estimates for how much... Remember Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey tweeted support for the anti-government protesters in Hong Kong back in October. It is a real financial impact since China pulled the plug on those NBA TV broadcasts in response, basically, to Daryl Morey's tweet as in their anger toward the NBA. The estimate of how much revenue was lost because of that, $150 to $200 million. And that hurts even in a league that makes billions of dollars. But after the original projection of a lower salary cap, never a good sign, it does seem that the salary cap will inch up just a little bit despite the impact of the lost China revenue. The salary cap and salary tax, or luxury tax as they call it, are still expected to increase maybe by 3%. That is way down from what they thought it would be prior to the Daryl Morey China government scandal or controversy, but still better news than originally reported overnight. 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Gary and you, Vanessa Bryant also made her first public statements. The mother of Kobe Bryant's four daughters, of course, Kobe's widow now. Her daughter, Gigi, also died in the helicopter crash over the weekend. Vanessa Bryant had not spoken publicly, and it was only on social media last night 
But she did say that, of course, her family is, quote, completely devastated. She went on to thank the millions of fans who have shown support during what she called a horrific time. If you want to check it out, at Vanessa Bryant on Twitter, I think, and Instagram. I'm, I'm looking at Instagram right now. They announced the formation of a fund to help support the other families who were affected by the crash. So, obviously, Kobe is the main person that everybody's been talking about. 13-year-old daughter Gigi, a would-be WNBA star in the making, also tragically died in that crash. There were seven others on board, including the pilot, and some of them were left in financial difficulty. So Vanessa Bryant included details of the formation of that fund if you'd like to reach out and do your part along those lines. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. The only other NBA headline I think worthy of note at a time when we're all focused on Super Bowl 54 and I'm focused on college basketball along with many of you as listeners. The NBA's trade deadline is one week from today. And the most intriguing name I have seen in the speculation is former Wake Forest star Chris Paul. Now, you all know he's got a little bit of the Andy Reid story in him, meaning Andy Reid winning his football coach without a Super Bowl ring or an NFL championship. The five guys above him all have more than one of those things. Chris Paul is one of the greatest players in the NBA that's never won an NBA championship ring. Anybody who rolls their eyes at his place in NBA history does not understand his numbers, his all-star game appearances, the success of his teams, but we're all well aware, not enough postseason success in the eyes of his critics. He has played way better than anybody projected since he was traded from the Rockets to the Oklahoma City Thunder in what was a surprise to many during this past offseason. He is playing really well. A lot of people believe that he should be named to this year's All-Star Game. Remember, the starters have been announced. The reserves have not yet been announced. He has been an outstanding player, even at this later stage of his career, for a good Oklahoma City team, but not one that is expected to challenge the Lakers or the Clippers in the top of the Western Conference. So what other contender needs a point guard, and what would they be willing to offer the Thunder in exchange for Chris Paul? Now, if you're Chris Paul, I would have to imagine you don't like bouncing from franchise to franchise. But the upside is if one of these teams that needs a point guard, the Philadelphia 76ers are often mentioned on that list. They are one of the top teams in the East. They don't really have a functional team chemistry. They have a lot of good pieces with Ben Simmons kind of as their point guard, you know, point forward, if you will, and Joel Embiid inside and some other good players. A lot of people think a true point guard like Chris Paul would allow the chemistry to improve a lot. Chris Paul, the downside, man, I don't want to be one of these nomads that ends up playing for 10 different teams. The upside is I'm not getting any younger, and I have no chance at an NBA title with the Oklahoma City Thunder this season. So who knows? Maybe he ends up with a true contender, and maybe he makes that contender that much more dangerous down the stretch. Again, the NBA's trade deadline one week from today. Gary is has college basketball on his mind. He's next on the David Glenn Show. Yes. Hello, David. Hey, man. Uh, I, points of interest from last night, Wake Forest at Notre Dame basketball game. Yeah. Um, Wake looked good, faded down the stretch. We've seen that before. Uh, the coaching styles 
contrast. Danny Manning, very well-dressed, stands up tall at 6'11", looks very composed on the sideline, a good straight in a way, and a negative one. I would like to see him be more excited about what the team is doing. Um, Mike Bray, uh, very enthusiastic guy for Notre Dame, works the sideline hard, and Mike Bray gives the appearance of a guy who has just come off a three-day weekend <laughs> at Vegas and gone straight to the gym. That is so true. Day. That is so true. There is a massive contrast last night just in appearance between Danny Manning of Wake Forest and Mike Bray of Notre Dame. That is really well described there. Uh, we know both of those guys well. I'm not a believer that only one way works. You do have to be true to your personality. But, yeah, Mike Bray looks like he not only just got back from Vegas, he might have just been in a barroom brawl during which beer was spilled all over him. And if you saw him last night, he had his jacket off. You know, he's given up the, what was it, turtlenecks for a while. I think he's turned the page on that. And he had sweat through his dress shirt. So, I mean, he was one step up from Chris Farley and Tommy Boyd last night. But his Notre Dame team got the victory. Neither team, by the way, is likely to be going anywhere good. The hard part for the ACC right now, and I'm up against the clock, Gary, so I appreciate your call, but I got a lot to get you go. I have to let you go. Wake, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Notre Dame, and with all due respect to Clemson, Pitt, and Miami, I really think that I just said, I think I said seven teams there. You know what they are really now, what their realistic projection is? See if you can get to the NIT. You know, Georgia Tech still is facing postseason bans, so they would have to win an appeal for even this to become relevant. So put the Yellow Jackets off to the side. But Wake, BC, Notre Dame, Clemson, Pitt, Miami, I just don't see any road to the NCAA tournament. In between, of course, you have Duke, Florida, State, Louisville at the top. I think Virginia and NC State are in good position. I think Virginia Tech and Syracuse are in shouting distance of making a bid happen to the big dance and Carolina of course is this weird wild card off to the side where they're finally playing better without Cole Anthony and he's coming back soon and they'll probably beat BC on Saturday night to get to 11 wins and 10 losses but what will their record look like come selection Sunday will they go to Greensboro needing to get the automatic bid that comes to the ACC tournament champion, or is there some crazy scenario where they could build an at-large type resume? I doubt it, but that is the state of the ACC in hoops. We're back after this. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Our trifecta of Super Bowl guests began with Ron Rivera of the Panthers and now Redskins. It continues with Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox. We'll talk Chiefs 49ers and much more with CD next on the David Glenn Show. 
Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to The David Glenn Show.